Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in his Bible series on the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, How Not to Be a Hypocrite, preached on June 29, 1997. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, speaking about religious hypocrisy and the cure for religious hypocrisy. There are two kinds of hypocrisy. One is the pagan hypocrisy. But here, Jesus is speaking about the type of hypocrisy practiced in the church. God would have everyone to forsake every form of hypocrisy today and live a life in the presence of God. Years ago, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if we know that we are always in the presence of God and live therefore accordingly, he said this, I am quite certain a revival would start at once. God is moving by his spirit. These are revival days for us. And how do you know these are revival days for us? Holiness is the fruit of any true revival. All self-adulation and hypocrisy must disappear. God is experienced in his holy majesty. There is self-knowledge in the light of God knowledge. There is godly repentance. There is forgiveness received. There is vital prayer. There is glorious worship. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And let me tell you, there will take place a profound realization of our relationship with God as our heavenly father. Brother, sister, young people, husband, wife, I exhort us to repent of our sins and all hypocrisy and drink from the flowing streams of the water of life that our souls may delight in spiritual vitality. We must live a life Before our heavenly father. Matthew 6 is speaking about living a Christian life in the world before our heavenly father. And therefore this reference to the father, to the heavenly father, your father. That reference, there are 12 times reference made to the heavenly father in this chapter. Chapter 6, verse 1, and verse 4, and verse 6, and again verse 6, verse 8, verse 9, verse 14, verse 15, two times in verse 18, and verse 26, and verse 32, there's a reference to your heavenly father, which means you are God's children, and that you must live your life in the presence of your heavenly father. He's watching you. He's observing you. He is seeing you. He is hearing you. Oh, that is revival. It is a life in which our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The life of Matthew 6 is a life of those who are truly born of God and are adopted into the family of God. 
Only they can live a life of righteousness before their heavenly father. No hypocrite shall ever enter into the kingdom of God. The question today, this morning is, are you a child of God, born of God, adopted into the very family of God? Is God of the scripture your heavenly father? Oh, Matthew 6 is speaking about doing righteousness. Matthew 6 verse 1 speaks about that. I said this has a reference to the life of a citizen of the kingdom of God in the world. And this doing of righteousness is an evidence that you are the child of your heavenly father. You know, if you read the Quran, it tells you that if you are praying, then prayer will take you halfway to the paradise. And if you are fasting, and that fasting will take you to the gates of paradise. But you, if you give alms, then of course the gates will be open for you. Now that's not what the Bible tells us. We do pray, we do fast, we do help the poor and the needy. Because we are children of the Heavenly Father. Because we have been saved. Because we have been given access to the very presence of God. As salvation is by grace. Read 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29. And it reads like this, everyone who does righteousness has been born of him. Pas hopoyon ten dikayosunen exautu gegenetai. That means our doing of righteousness is the proof. That we have been born of God. Only the children of God can do righteousness. Turn also to First John chapter 3 and verse 7. Dear friends, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous. And look at verse 10. This is how we know. Who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. So now you know. Matthew 6 is speaking about doing righteousness. Which is possible only for those who have been born of God. Those who are not born of God can only practice hypocrisy. There are hypocrites in the world and there are hypocrites in the church. Matthew 6 particularly speaks about religious hypocrisy. And so if you are a hypocrite, cry out to God that you may be born of him. Then you can do righteousness. Those who are not born of God, they are unable to practice righteousness from the heart. Impossible. But let me tell you, we may be hypocrites, yet God loves hypocrites today. 
The day of judgment is not yet. Whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I think hypocrites are included in that whosoever. God loves sinners. He receives sinners. Repent and forsake your sins. He will receive you. You will then discover God's power to live a holy life. A life of righteousness. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Not for the hypocrite. But those who are born of God, they will discover that it is easy. That, it, that the law of the Lord is delight to my soul. Then you will know what it means to do good works. To be zealous. To do good works. Matthew 6 verse 2 through 18 deals with three acts of righteousness. First of course is uh, supporting the needy. Giving alms to the poor. That is our relation outwardly to people, to society. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. If you are born of God, there is that dimension. We relate to society in this way. Then there is prayer. And that is our relationship to Godward, upward. That's right. That's our lifeline. And if we don't pray, it means we are not born of God. There are people who will not pray. But in society, they speak piety. They quote John Calvin and Martin Luther, and they clothe themselves with theology. But they don't pray. They don't spend time in devotion to God. You are a hypocrite. And you are found out this morning. But God loves you. Change. There's a revival going on, and praise be to God for putting his light upon us. It's not yet the day of judgment. This is the day of revival. This is the day of grace. This is the day of forgiveness. This is the day God welcomes sinners. Hallelujah. Well, then there is fasting. That is self-word. That we need to mortify ourselves. Fasting is a good idea. Isn't that true? Through fasting we learn what it means to say no. To all the demands. That our body makes. It's good to engage in that discipline also. These are works of righteousness. Which we are to do. Chapter 6. Verse 2 through 4 speaks then specifically about helping the needy. Helping the needy in society especially in the household of faith. I read to you to, from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You are not born again. You are not a Christian. James tells us in chapter 1 verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts. As pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me tell you, it was Christianity 
that produced hospitals, orphanages, and other social welfare agencies, not paganism, and not religious hypocrites. Christians revived by God. They established these social service agencies throughout the world. The synagogues practiced helping the needy. They taxed individuals for this purpose, but beyond that, People made voluntary offerings for this purpose and the names of such people were announced. But some people practice alms giving not to please God as an authentic deed of righteousness but to please men. They did this for receiving the praise of men. Let me say this and note it down very clearly. When people please men they are not pleasing men, but they are pleasing men to receive their praise so that they could please themselves. So they were hypocrites. They gave to receive praise of men for self-adulation, for vain glory. As true children of God, we either do acts of righteousness to please our Heavenly Father... Or, as children of the devil, people do philanthropy to result in self-promotion for public relation purposes. All the hypocrites do certain good works before men to be seen by them. That's a specific intention in their hearts, to be seen by them and to be honored by them. That's why you clean the house when there is a party and don't clean the house when there is no party. That's why we pray in public and we don't pray at home. Most politicians are adept in doing such deeds for a photo op. Hypocrisy is rampant everywhere. In the early church there was genuine social service. Yet we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were religious hypocrites. They sold a piece of land and brought only part of the prize to the apostle. Pretending it to be the full prize. They wanted to be known in the church as very pious and very godly people. They wanted their name to be announced. As they did in synagogue. Listen, O church, we have here Ananias and Sapphira who sold their property and brought the full money for the support of the people. Let's praise God and, and give them a hand. Well, let me tell you, they are not blessed. There's doom waiting for religious hypocrites. In, in time, there is doom and judgment of God will fall upon them. Ananias and Sapphira were pious pretenders, they loved praise from men, they did instantly, they died instantly, in their hypocrisy, because of revival. <laughs> you know, if there is no revival, all hypocrites are safe in the church. But when there is revival, watch out. And I believe that there is a revival has already started in this church, and I am warning us <laughs> That we forsake our hypocrisy and line up with God. All 
men pleasers or self pleasers. They are narcissists. They love themselves. They worship themselves. They adore themselves. They are fascinated by themselves. That's the heart of sin, self-centeredness. Self-pleasing and self-glorying. And every sinner is a self-pleaser. Self-worshipper. He's incapable of denying himself and serve God without the miracle of new birth. The purpose of all pagan party is self-praise. That those who come to the party may say various things about the party. Boasting of things. And the party giver is so happy. And if you don't say anything, he's miserable, he's wretched, he's frustrated, he's gloomy. And so make sure if you are going to a party, say something nice. Because you never know whether he's a hypocrite or a real Christian. Remember Saul, he was a hypocrite. He was sent on a mission which he failed to complete as God had wanted him. Yet we see him constructing a monument. For himself. Self-adulation. He wanted to be known by all. As the conqueror of the Amalekites. You know the Greek word hypocrite. It means an actor. He's an actor. He helps the poor not because he loves the poor. But to be seen by men as one who cares for the poor. In fact he hates the poor. He has no concern for the poor. He throws a coin for the poor so that he may be seen by others that he is a benefactor of the poor. The whole purpose of his act is to be seen by men, to be recognized by men, to be praised by men, to be reported in the paper as a great philanthropist. He is an egoist. He loves himself. He seeks his own glory by means of everything he says and does. He has no God consciousness. Such a person has no regard for God. His life is not regulated by the knowledge of God. John Calvin starts his institutes by writing about knowledge of God. The greatest reality in the whole world. Is the presence of God. The hypocrite is ob oblivious. To the greatest re reality of the presence of God. He does all things to please himself. He is not interested in a heavenly father's reward. He doesn't care for reward from the father in heaven. He's a man of this world. He seeks only the reward of people's applause. And such people are warned in this text. You read it, it says, you will not receive reward from the Father in heaven. And all you get is the praise of men. Yes, a hypocrite does what he does before men. It's amazing. This is what is regulating him. To be seen by them in order that he be glorified, the text says, Hopos doxas tosin hupoton anthropon, that he may be glorified by men, not his self. 
worship him. He wants a lot of people to worship him. He sucks up all this praise and he's very happy. If none praises him, he's depressed and he's anxious. He's worried. He's very concerned. He's addicted to human praise. He feigns piety. Yes, he does religious things, but he is self-centered and not Christ-centered. And all hypocrites only receive praise from men. Never receive praise from God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Let's listen to what the hypocrites will hear from God. It is written down in chapter 7. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. See the language. Or turn to 25th chapter of Matthew and verse 41. And there we read this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what hypocrites will hear from God on that day. In other words, no praise at all. The true Christians not only confess Christ, but they evidence their confession by doing righteousness before their heavenly father. With only one purpose to be pleasing the father. To be approved by the father. Nothing else matters. Almsgiving is showing mercy to people of need. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This Giving support for the needy is commanded in the scripture. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. It is not something you feel like doing or or not. It's commanded. 15th chapter Deuteronomy and verse 11. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore I command you to be open handed toward your brother's And toward the poor and needy in your land. Not only that it is commanded in the scripture. It was practiced by the people of God. Let's turn to the book of Acts. And when there was revival. And that's what you see in Acts chapter 2. God poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church. And let's see how they behaved. When the Spirit of God came upon them. When there was this great revival. In chapter 2 and verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possession and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Nobody told them, but the Spirit of God came upon them. This is revival. Or Acts chapter 4, verse 34 and 35 There were no needy persons among them. Well, that's not true. There were needy persons among them, but 
they were taken care of. That's the idea. For from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Revival. When the Holy Spirit is poured upon us, and the Holy Spirit in turn pours out in abundance love, which causes people to do these things, sell their own lands, their own properties, and take care of their brothers and sisters. Now, what is the secret of this giving, you know? No man gives in a way acceptable to God and pleasing to him unless he is delivered from the slavery to himself. Self-centeredness. Through Jesus Christ, he must be delivered from that self-anchoring, self-reference, self-centeredness, self-pleasing, and self-glory. That's the essence of sin. And when you are saved, <laughs> you are delivered from that, from that narcissism. And you are Christ-centered. You are Christ-pleasing. And you are glorying uh, Christ in Christ and glorifying him. True giving is an ability given to every Christian who has discovered spiritual riches in Jesus Christ. Salvation is deliverance from sin, self-centeredness, and all trust in the temporal world. All trust in the temporal world. We give freely because we have come to know that God is our shield and our very great Reward. That's what he said to Abraham in Genesis 15. And this new discovery that God is my savior. God is my reward. God is my center. This new discovery causes to loosen our grip on money and things. We realize God as our treasure. No longer money is our savior. We have been redeemed by the Messiah. Giving, we understand, is a privilege and a blessing. And not only that, the Bible tells us, Give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. God said so. And many, 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 many God's people practiced it. And they found out that you cannot outgive God. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine. And let me tell you, only rich people give. That's right. Did you hear that? Only rich people give. Poor people cannot give, but let me tell you how to be rich. Here it is, chapter eight, second Corinthians and verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty, what? Might become rich. Let me tell you, we need to discover God as our life and our riches in order that we may be able to give. That's the secret of it. 
But why do we do righteousness of helping the poor? Let me tell you why. Not to please men, but to be approved by God. Hypocrites do give to be approved by men. We do righteousness to be approved by God only. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 St. Paul tells Timothy this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. And so on. The whole of life we need to live for this one purpose. To be approved by whom? The world? Your neighbor? Oh no. God who is in secret. Turn with me to Romans 16. And there St. Paul speaks about a person by name Apelles. Verse 10. Greet Apelles tested and approved in Christ. When we stand before God, may he stamp us tested and approved. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great, isn't it? Tested and approved. Tested and approved. Tested and approved. By whom? By God himself. The infinite, almighty, all sovereign, all holy, all righteous, all seeing God. Yes, we do what we do so that on that day our Lord may tell us what we read in chapter 25 of Matthew and verse 34 it says then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world oh, in chapter 7 he said depart from me here it is come come on hallelujah come on that's what we do what is right one day we have to stand before him you are accountable to God and you will give an account to him. But may God help us that day to hear this wonderful word. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Or we'll turn to Romans 2 verse 10 about God coming in judgment. He judges some people. Romans 2 verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath against yourself. For the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed. And verse 10. Speaking about us. But glory, honor and peace. For everyone who does good. Isn't that wonderful? That day. Glory and honor and peace for everyone who does righteousness. That's what we are waiting for. And if you examine the life of Jesus Christ, he came to do the will of the Father to please him. He said, I always do that which pleases him. That's why he came. He said, my food is to do the will of God and to finish it. That's why he came. He did not come seeking his own honor at all. 
He was seeking all the time the honor of the one who sent him. No wonder the father told him several times. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What more you want brothers and sisters? What more you want? There is nothing greater than the approval and approbation of your God on that day. And so what should we do to cure our hypocrisy? That's a cure for all hypocrisy, a realization that God is everywhere. That God is here. That God is in my room. That God is at work. That God is in the hotel room. God is in my car. God is everywhere. So whether you eat or drink or whatever else you do, do it all for the glory of God. So may God help us as Christians by faith to realize this real presence of God in which we live. We need to realize we live in God's presence always. And do all things in his presence. We imagine in his presence. We think, we speak, we act in his presence. We live in God's presence always. In all things we do, whether good or evil, we are in his presence. Turn to Genesis chapter 16, where this girl... Hagar discovered God. And verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me all the time. Now imagine if you can get that revelation, which Hagar God will be all right. You are the God. Who sees me. And then live in the light of that revelation. Or 17th chapter of Genesis. When Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said. I'm God almighty. Walk before me. And in my presence. And be blameless. You see this awareness. This God consciousness. This reality of the presence of God. When we see by faith. We live a blameless life. We do righteousness. What's our problem? We don't by faith see the greatest reality in the world, which is we live and move and have our being in God. Or look at Genesis 22 and verse 8. Verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? Abraham replied, what? Jehovah Jireh means what? God sees. That's what it says. God sees. God sees. Not only God sees, but he will provide. But the idea is he sees. God sees. You see, how did he say that? Why did he say that? By faith. By faith. Abraham believed God. By faith. 
or turn to Genesis 39, an important chapter where you find a human being practicing the presence of God. Here it is, Joseph in Egypt. And verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and prospered. And you read on again and again and again. You read it. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And he knew it. He lived by faith. In this knowledge. That God is with me. I'm surrounded by pagans and sinners. But God is with me. Therefore he did that which was right. And he also avoided Evil. He said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? This amazing recognition. God consciousness regulated his life in Psalm 139. Let me read to you from verse 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. You see, understand that. Revival means that you are brought by faith to this realization that you always live in his presence. God Almighty omniscient and omnipresent God from you from whom you cannot run away praise God we cannot run away from him hallelujah he is with us Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 we read nothing in all creation is hidden from God's side everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account son do you understand you have to give an account (laughs) here it is Ever we are before him. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, All authority I have received, go into all the world, and then what? I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is the reality. This is real. This is not mythology. This is real. God is spirit. God is with us. God promised it. And God is with us. When revival comes, we realize it more sharply. And this knowledge will regulate our thinking, our speaking, and our acting, our doing. And so at the retreat we said, Romans 5 verse 18, be being filled with the Spirit. That's a command. I said it is not an experience, it's a command, something we can do. And I said it is by faith we realize the greatest reality. That is we are filled with the Spirit of God. Therefore, conduct yourselves in the light of this great truth. That's the cure for hypocrisy. And so, we are to do this acts of righteousness and crypto in secret. In other words, not seeking the praise of men. That's the idea. Do not seek the praise of men when we do these things. Do your acts of kindness, 
Be concerned about your fellow human beings in need. Help them as you are able. But don't record it. Don't refer to it. Forget about it. Completely. Do not advertise it. Consider it a privilege that you can do it. But forget about it. Let me tell you why. You don't have to remember it. There is somebody else who sees in secret. He'll remember it. You can trust in him. That's real faith, isn't it? It takes real faith to do these things and forget about it. That's salvation. The unbeliever cannot do that. The hypocrite cannot do that. There's a God who remembers and he will not forget. Hallelujah. He sees in secret. And he will give you reward. Let me tell you, reward is not a bad idea. It's a biblical idea, isn't that true? Those who come to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Praise be to God. It's a biblical idea. And it is a gracious idea. In other words, God gives us reward as a gift. Because we give what we receive. So we cannot go to God and say, you know, I did some great thing. We give because we received. What I received, I give unto you. That is the way it is. Let's understand that. We received his bounty and we give. Isn't that true? And yet God remembers it and he gives us the gift, gracious gift of a reward. And even Jesus Christ himself believed in reward. And the book of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us how he lived his life on earth. Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that set before him. You see, that was the reward. And he received it. But let me tell you, what is reward? More money? What is the highest reward God can give us? Himself. I am your shield and what? Exceeding great reward. There is no greater reward than allowing us to see him. Hallelujah. Come into the kingdom prepared for you. And what is kingdom of God? Unless it is life with God. And all that involves. What is reward? But the approval of God. Glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. But let me tell you, there is a reward even now. There is a material reward and there is a spiritual reward. Even now, he graciously gives to God's people. Hallelujah. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into our lap. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, hypocrites deceives himself. He only gets man's acclamation. That's all. He's cheating himself. But we receive Father's praise. Hallelujah. Father's honor. Father's kingdom. Father's inheritance. Hallelujah. We are allowed to see him face to face. Praise you, O God. Now, you know, I said hypocrites 
deceive himself. He cheats himself. He settles himself for man's praise. That's sad, isn't it? And if there is a hypocrite or many of them, if there are one, two, or however many, God loves you first. I want to tell you that. God loves hypocrites today. And God wants to help you to forsake hypocrisy. Hallelujah. And be blessed by him. Hallelujah. And so if you are a hypocrite, forsake it completely and totally. May this truth that you live in God's presence regulate your life and your thought, your deed, your word. Live for the approval of God. Hallelujah. And you shall receive praise and glory and peace and honor and kingdom and inheritance. And above all, he will welcome you to come and behold him face to face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray that you forgive our hypocrisy, our interest in ourselves. Deliver us from narcissism. Self-adulation, self-worship. Thank you for saving us and salvation is deliverance from ourselves. Hallelujah. And causing us to see you that we may trust in you and believe in you. Hallelujah. Hope in you and rest in you. Hallelujah. To see you as our life and our hope. Praise you, O God, the author of our joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you said, if anybody is thirsty, come unto me and drink. And out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, O God. Oh, that's, that's salvation. Hallelujah. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon the midst of each one of us. Let everyone drink, O Lord. To satisfaction. Let there be delight and satisfaction and happiness. And let there be an overflowing of your life through each one of us. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.